Good morning, Firewheel. How are we this morning? All right, it's good to be awesome. I like hearing that. Hey, you know, one thing that I, I truly do look forward to is I, I love waking up on Sunday mornings. And some mornings, eh, not so much. But Sunday mornings, I love waking up on Sunday mornings because I know I'm going to get to come here. And I'm going to get to gather together with the people who are my brothers and sisters in Christ and will be my brothers and sisters Christ for eternity. And we're going to get to do what we do every Sunday, and that is worship the one true living God, our Lord and our Savior. So I just cherish this opportunity to get together with one another because a lot of people in our world don't get to do this, and we do. And I'm so grateful for this worship band. I'm grateful for Pastor Chris, and I'm grateful for every person who comes through the door here on Sunday morning. So but I just wanted to say that this morning. So like I said, we're, we're going to do what we do every Sunday here um, I do want to encourage you, if you're not in um, a Sunday morning gathering or adult fellowship class, I would encourage you to do that. We have three opportunities for you, and we've had some, some really an enjoyable time and some good, sound, biblical teaching this morning. So I would encourage you to take the opportunity to take advantage of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we do lift you up, Lord. You are worthy, Father, all the time. All the time you are worthy. You are the everlasting God. You are the great I am. You always have been and you always will be. You have no equal. You have no rival. You are worthy, Lord. And I pray, Father, today that the music that is played here is pleasing to you, that the message you deliver through Pastor Chris would glorify your name. Uh, I want to thank you, Father, for everyone that's here. And I want to thank you that we have this building to meet in. I want to thank you that we're healthy enough to gather together in person with one another today. But most of all, Father, we thank you for the cross, for the blood of Jesus, for his broken body. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, for doing for us what we could not do by ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, not only for the love of Christ on the cross, but that he rose. And Father, that he ascended. We thank you for the promise that we have in that. We lift you up, we worship you, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kevin. You guys ready to worship? Sure? You guys ready to worship? Will you stand to worship with us? You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. I've been born again, 
Amen. How are you doing today? Good? Yeah? So this is the part of the service where we are going to do our meet and greet. Um, so uh, let's find five people that we don't know or we do know. Let's say hello to them. Also remember, COVID's still here, so be careful. <laughs> All right. Let's say hi to somebody you don't know. Thank y'all. If you could find your seats. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good hubbub, good energy in the auditorium today. We're settling. We're settling. Okay. Um, so to start it off on uh, kind of a somber note, it's been a pretty rough week. Um, when we experience loss, it's, uh, it's tough. And you don't always know how to take it. So when the Cowboys did lose, <laughs> it was tough. And I know some of the members of the congregation are feeling a little lost right now. But you're home, you're in safe hands, and I've ordered a bunch of Tom Brady jerseys. <laughs> calm down, calm down. No, no, I digress. Um, moving forward, uh, the diaper bag drive is still going on in the lobby, so please donate uh, diaper bag items. We'd ask that they are new for the new mothers. Thank you. Uh, also, we have women's retreat coming up next weekend. Woo! It's going to be fun. Levon Baptist Encampment. They've been working very hard. We even have name tags for y'all, so pretty fancy. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, the Super Bowl watch party, big game extravaganza. Uh, Y'all have been doing great with the auction items. They are just pouring in. Uh, it is just a cavalcade of random items, and it's wonderful. Uh, it's going to be a really entertaining auction. I'm excited to see it happen. Thanks, you all, so much. And the donation window is still open, uh, so please keep bringing those items. Um, other than that, thank you very much. If the ushers could come forward with the offering real quick, let me pray, and we'll proceed. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to gather. Thank you for the chance to give. Uh, thank you for the chance to just be with one another. Um, I think we often forget how simple and wonderful it is to just talk with each other and to be with each other. And thank you for that opportunity here this Sunday. In your name, amen.
you'll stand and uh, worship with us again. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
stay standing. We're going to stay standing this morning. Um, who gives us clean hands and a pure heart? The Lord Jesus, that's right. 
The scriptures ask a, a very important question. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may approach the Lord's mountain? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. I can testify in my own life, I do not have clean hands and a pure heart in and of myself. And that even this morning as we were praying and singing, we lay down our idols, I was praying and I was laying down the idols of my own heart. And I have spent a week in this world. <laughs> and it's messy, isn't it? And, and we bring that with us. Please never believe the lie that you've got to get cleaned up before you come in here. Because that is a lie. We bring our mess in here. And we seek the Lord's cleansing. And that is why every week we stop around these holy tables and we look at these simple elements of bread and juice. We're reminded it is Christ's body that was broken for us. And it was his blood that was shed for us that this is a meal of remembrance that believers have been gathering around <laughs> from the very beginning. This is one of our most ancient practices, church. This is where we tap into ancient roots. And so this morning, before we have communion, before we hold these elements in our hands, we're going to pray. We're going to pray from the heart, uh, seeking of forgiveness. Whatever you've brought in here, whatever dirt you're carrying around in the soul, don't be ashamed to bring it to Jesus. He's inviting you to come. So Lord, this morning, we thank you for your grace. Father, I was reminded just today that if it wasn't for your grace, I would not be able to approach. There's no way. It is by grace that I am saved. It's not of works. Lord, if salvation was by work, uh, we would all fall short. Because that's what the scriptures tell us. That we all fall short. And that is why, Jesus, you gave your life. Dying on the cross for our sins, you were buried. And Jesus, you have risen from the grave. And that in you, we have not only forgiveness, but eternal life. A cleansing. A fresh cleansing. And that is what we seek this morning. In the quietness of your heart, whatever it is that you've carried in, confess that to Jesus. What is it that you need forgiveness for? What resentments are you carrying? Who is it that you need to release from that debt? What is that thing that you're clinging tightest to, even though you know it's the very thing that's keeping you far away from the heart of God? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus speaks. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us and the invitation to come to your table to remember, to proclaim your death in anticipation of your return. Lord Jesus, if you returned at this very moment, if this is the moment that has been sovereignly decreed, we pray that you would find your church ready for your arrival. We gather together in your name and we bless your name. In that beautiful and strong name we proclaim, amen. We love you, Jesus.
So the tables are set up of communion. All are invited to come. We have them set up in the front and then sides. If you would like one of our guest services, one of our wonderful guest services to bring you the elements, just raise your hand and we can have those brought to you.
morning. God, we just thank you for who you are. Man, we thank you for the cross. Man, we just thank you that uh, you are our Lord, God Almighty, and that you work in our lives daily, God. God, I ask that you uh, be with Pastor Chris as he speaks and just give us ears to hear this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Come on, y'all know this. Not about a thing, right? Why? Because every little thing going to be alright. Saying don't worry. About what? Not nothing. Why? Because every little thing going to be alright. 
All right, well, this morning we are turning back to our series, Don't Worry About a Thing, Not a Thing. And it attended uh, one message was my goal, and then the Lord said, no, 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 you're going to stretch this thing out, and, and uh, really has been medicine for my soul. And, and uh, as I think about that concept, don't worry about a thing, man, this would be some great advice for this particular ant. Go ahead and roll that. I always feel uncomfortable around crowds. I mean it. I, I, I have this fear of enclosed spaces. I, 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 everything makes me feel trapped all the time. You know, I, I always tell myself, there's got to be something better out there, but may, maybe, I, maybe I think too much. You know, I, I, I think everything must go back to the fact that I had a very anxious childhood. You know, my, my mother never had time for me. You know, when, when, you, when you're the middle child in a family of five million, you don't get any attention. I mean, how is it possible? And, and I've always had these, these abandonment issues which plagued me. My father was, was basically a drone, like I've said. And, you know, the guy flew away when I was just a larva. And my job, don't get me started on, because I, it really annoys me. I'm, I, I was not cut out to be a worker, I'll tell you right now. I, I, I feel physically inadequate. I, I, my whole life, I've never, I've never been able to lift more than 10 times my own body weight. And, and when you get down to it, handling dirt is, you know, is not my idea of a rewarding career. It's this whole gung-ho superorganism thing that, that, that I, you know, I can't get. I try, but I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I'm, what is it? I'm supposed to do everything for the colony. And, and what about my needs? What about me? I mean, I got to believe there's some place out there that's better than this. Otherwise, I would just curl up in a lava position and weep. The whole system makes me feel insignificant. Excellent. Mm. I don't know if any of y'all can relate to that. This whole thing makes me feel insignificant. You know, when you look at your life today, the things that you worry about, now sometimes we can feel like a pacing little ant racked by anxieties and worries stuck in life. Have you ever felt stuck? Wondering if this is the sum total of all that God has for you. I think we could all spend a little time on the therapist's couch. <laughs> Especially after the last couple of years. You know, I just feel like I need to say this. COVID stinks. I feel like I need to say that out loud. COVID's like that person who breaks into a house and then claims squatter's rights and refuses to leave. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm like, all right, it's time to move out. But that's not all we have to worry about. Not so much. So much anxiety and worry. I, and as I think about all the stuff, all the things that we're anxious and worried about today, we could all spend some time on the therapist's couch. I think therapy is, is very positive. But I think all the more. What we need this morning is we need to sit at Jesus' feet. We turn in our Bibles. Everybody open our Bibles. Say, Word. Word. We're going to be in chapter 6, but we're, as we have throughout the course of this series, I always want to set the table of, of where we are at. We are in one of the great discourses in Matthew's gospel. It is called the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll see in chapter 5, verse 1, where we get the name. It's chapters 5 through 7. We start in chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he, being Jesus, went up on the mountain. Ah, Sermon on the 
mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And that is the proper posture of a disciple. We come and we sit at Jesus' feet. He opens his mouth and he teaches us. Well, this morning we are continuing our, uh, our study in Jesus' teaching on worry and anxiety. And again, I had intended to kind of just go through this passage of Scripture in a single shot, but the Lord slowed me down last week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, Chris. You need to spend a couple weeks here. Don't be in a big old hurry to get through a passage on anxiety and worry. You know what I mean? So let's flip in our Bibles, Matthew 6, uh, we're starting in verse 25. As you all know, we're going to read through the passage, and then we're just going to take it apart as, as we go through. Jesus opens his mouth, and he teaches us. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That one of the, the fringe benefits of being in a relationship with Jesus uh, is that we don't have to worry anymore. What a blessing. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Well, of course it is. Look up. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You never see a group of birds just worried. You know? They just are blessed. Are, are you not more value than they? Are you more valuable than a little sparrow? Of course you are. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I mean, it's obvious. No one. In verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these simple flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field with blue bonnets, which are here for a moment and then they're gone, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, now don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows your needs. Not all but priority, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so, last week we began uh, by looking at the first three of six, six reasons why we really don't have to worry, even though we probably will, right? We looked at the first three, just kind of in recap. The first reason we don't have to worry is, is life is more than what we worry about. Our life is more than what we worry about. Matthew 6, 25, the end of the verse, is not life. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Well, of course it is. You know, for my dogs, that's all life is about. You know what I mean? They're like, food, uh, 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 play outside, bone. Pets, that's like all their life is. But how much more are we? We're, we're more than just a simple dog. But sometimes we operate like we're just kind of like that. We're like, oh, oh, job, oh, car, oh, new cell phone. And, and we just kind of go through life. Oh, some kibble. And our life is more than that. 
You know, our life is more than just the sum total of what we worry about. We need to live for more than just food or football. I mean, most of us, we have nothing else to cheer on this the end of this year. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? Who cares, right? San Francisco, maybe. Legacy of Joe Montana and all that. Anyway, cars and trucks. <laughs> Our life is more than football. We are children of God. In fact, we are Christians. And uh, in that, we come to recognize that our very life is very temporary. You know, I'm reminded in, in Isaiah 40, we're, we're told that our life, it's like, a, it's like a blade of grass. You know, the wind, the breath of the Lord blows on it and we wither. Like, we're here for a moment, but we're not here for a moment. That is the tension, right? Like, we're temporary, but we're eternal. And we have an eternal life. We're living for the next life. We don't just live for the here and now. See, that's what a common house dog does. It just lives for the here and now. But no, no, no. We live here in view of the life to come. That's why the scriptures say, don't store for yourselves treasure in heaven. No, no, no. Store for yourselves treasure or treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. We're living for eternity. And you know what? The reality is God has promised to care for us for eternity. He's going to provide for us for eternity. He can be trusted to provide for us in the here and now. Second reason we don't have to worry we saw last week is God takes care of his creation. God will take care of his children. We see the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. If God cares for such insignificant things, how much more so will he care for his significant children of grace? God will care for his children. The third reason we saw last week that we don't have to worry is worry accomplishes no good thing. Worry accomplishes no good thing. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Nobody. You know, I shared last week that worry is like a rocking chair. I mean, you can get in that chair and you can exert, exert a credible amount of energy, but in the end, you get nowhere. Worry gets us nowhere. But worry can lead us to do a lot of foolish stuff and make a lot of foolish decisions, can't it? You ever made decisions like rooted in fear and worry? And then you look back and go, that was not a good decision. No, worry can lead us to do a lot of foolish stuff. We start taking the role of God. You know, worry can actually make us sick. Physically and spiritually sick. Worry accomplishes no good thing. Well, now... We're turning to our fourth reason why we don't have to worry. And, and really, it's rooted in chapter 6, verses 31 through 32. God is our Father, and God is our provider. Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Like, this reads like an anxious list, right? Like, rubbing the hand. Oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to work? And, and, and where am I going to live? And, and oh, how am I going to retire? And oh no, like, uh, uh, who's going to be my spouse? Or, or how am I going to stay in this relationship with my spouse? Or what about my kids? Like, it's just all these anxieties and worries. What if I get sick? What if I don't get better? You know, and we, we start to collect all these worries. And all the while, the Lord says, hey, don't be not about a single thing. And the reason is simple. Like God has said, 
I'm your father and I'm your provider. I'm going to take care of you. You know, we don't have to worry because we know who God is. Verse 32, not everyone's so lucky. Not everyone's so blessed. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You know, when Jesus references here Gentiles, what he's doing is he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And so when he references Gentiles, he's referencing a group of people that don't have a relationship with God, not the living true God. And what he's saying is the Gentiles, they have to live like there is no God. They are the God of their own lives. They have to go through life, and everything in their life literally has to rest on their shoulders. They have no God to turn to. They have no one to pray to. This week I was at the gym and I was doing some leg squats and, and I was thinking about this as I got up under the weight. I'm like, what if life is kind of like this? You know, we kind of start off with a bar and, and we can walk around like this for a while. You're like, this isn't so bad. But you start walking through life and all of a sudden weight starts getting added to it, you know, and it starts to get heavier and heavier. And, and then all of a sudden the big plates come out like big issues, like big adult worries, like things where you're like, I did not see this coming. And all of a sudden, the weight gets to the point where you're just literally being crushed by it. I mean, imagine going through life just absolutely being crushed by the burdens of this life and having no God to turn to. That when we're weary and we are heavy laden, that Jesus literally says, come to me and I will give you rest. Can you imagine having to go through life without having a God to turn to, just forced to carry around this crushing weight and burden. And I want to say this, don't believe what you see on Facebook, all right? Don't believe the lie of the manicured lawn and the freshly did hair and nails and the, and the nicely waxed and washed cars and hunting trophies and bass boats and vacation homes, a life without God is a life where you have to be God. And we all make really puny gods. Just like this clip. Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by that. <laughs> Puny God. Puny God. That's what life does to you. I am a God, you dull creature. Wham! 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 And we're just laid out. You know, we think we make pretty strong gods. We're pretty powerful. I once knew a man, he, he was really, he was a big dude. He ended up playing in the NFL, and he had a tattoo around his stomach. Alone I will survive. Alone you will die. We all make puny gods. 
We don't have to be the God of our own life. We don't have to live to meet our own needs. God's going to provide and take care of us. I love this. Matthew 6, verse 32, your heavenly Father. Like, those are those passages where you just underline, you're like, this is my heavenly Father. This is the character and nature of my Father in heaven. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Listen to this. God knows what you need. I'm going to say it again. God knows what you need. And he is fully committed to taking care of you in meeting your needs. Now, maybe not necessarily the way you think he should. You know, sometimes I have conversations with God. I'm like, hey, God, maybe you're not aware. I'll let you in on a couple things. I have some needs. Let me go ahead and kind of hammer them down here. This is kind of the way I'm seeing it, and I'm just, I just want to, like, make, are we on the same page here? And, and sometimes I just don't understand like how God sovereignly unfolds things. And that's really where faith is made. And there are times in my own life where I start to believe that there are certain things that I want that are needs. Like I have certain desires and I'm like, oh, these are needs. And then I get mad because God doesn't necessarily meet my desires or my wants. Now God says, I know what you need. I know what you really need. Sometimes we wake up and we're like, I need happy. And God's like, no, 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 you need holy. No, I need more possessions. God's like, no, you need poverty. I need to excel in my career. No, 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 that will destroy you right now. Pride before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. If I give you that, I may never get you back. God is committed to doing whatever it takes to bring about Christ-likeness in us. But our Father knows what we need. The fifth reason that we do not have to worry is we seek a different kingdom. We seek a different kingdom. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first. Underline that, like highlight this verse in your Bible. Put it to memory. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I, I personally believe that this may be one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. It is literally a verse that helps us orient our entire life around the kingdom of God. That this particular verse, it's a, it's a worldview-shifting perspective-changing, paradigm-augmenting, life-altering concept. And it's summed up by these two words, seek first. To give us just a little better understanding what this phrase means, the first word is seek. It translates the, the Greek word zeteo. It means to be devoted to and to strive after. First, translates the Greek word protos. It means the most important thing. So when we put this together, it means to be devoted and to strive after what we believe is the most important thing. And so my question is, what is the most important thing to you today? What are you striving after? What are you investing in? What is the most important thing? Like, what's first and foremost? What's the thing you think about first thing in the morning? 
I mean, of course, after your cup of coffee, right? Like, <laughs> what takes priority? Things of this world? Or is it the things of God? You know, I was reminded as, as I, I contemplated what, what's on my list, like what's the first thing on my list? And I've shared this illustration before, you know, life is, it's funny. I don't know if you've ever had like a stack of papers you try to shove a staple through. You know what I'm talking about? And in your mind, you're like, eh, I'm pretty sure this is too many pieces of paper. Wham! You ever just hit that stapler and you're like, oh, it's going to get through. And then all of a sudden you realize it didn't make, quite make it through. See, when you put God at the very bottom of the stack, that's the first thing that slips out. That staple never gets all the way through. Everything else gets put in front of them. But when God's there first, then everything gets prioritized. But this world is so enchanting. It lulls us. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And listen to what's in the world. For all that is in the world, but we love the world. The world's so I love the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the light, of uh, the eyes and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. You know what the world is like? The world is like the ring from Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm talking about? You remember Gollum? Smeagol? He was like a normal little hobbit. He's like a normal, he's like a happy hobbit, like life is good, and then all of a sudden he gets his hands on the ring. And it twisted him, and it distorted him. And that's what the world's like. And what's crazy is even though the ring was literally killing him, he clung to it. Paul tells us that people get pierced through the cravings of this world, and many have been led away from the faith because of the world and chasing the things in it. See, we're not supposed to be world chasers, but we're supposed to be kingdom chasers. That, that what should become priority to us, the very first thing is the kingdom of God. And I've been ruminating like the past two weeks, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? I'm like, where is it? And I'm like driving around Rowlett, and I'm like, where's the kingdom of God? There's a gas station, that's, that's not it. The bowling alley? Is that the kingdom of God? Like, what is this? And it finally hit me. You see, the kingdom of God and what it means to seek him, it means I set God in front of everything. He takes priority in my life. And when, when Christ comes first, the kingdom of God is not something that I necessarily visit. It's something that I actually bring with me into the world. That others experience the kingdom of God. Like, here's the reality. We are all insurgent infiltrators of grace. And we are sent into a graceless and loveless and hopeless and dead and dying world. And that's why we're called the light of the world. That's why we're called the salt of the earth. We are gospel-preaching, disciple-making, Holy Spirit-filled witnessing servants of Christ. 
we bring the kingdom with us. And what I love about this is we're all in the family business. You know, Jesus was like, I'm about my daddy's business. We should be too. You know, I started thinking, I'm like, how much time do I spend thinking about the kingdom? And how much time do I think about the church and, 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 and expanding and it, the church and like reaching the, the, the world, like reaching the lost? Like how much time do I invest in that every day? I mean, could you imagine if we sought the kingdom of God like we pursue our careers and businesses? Can you imagine if we invested our resources in the kingdom of God like we invest in that brand new car or truck or that big old house or that vacation home like we're like, we got to have this vacation home when it's totally rooted in self and we're like, me, me, me. What if me, what if we died? We laid down our life and we picked up his cross and we lived on purpose and we became missionaries. And we didn't delegate the responsibility to those super Christians. We just humbly looked at it and we said, you know what, Lord? I have been living for this earth. And there's a greater kingdom and I'm going to orient my life and my mind to that. I want to live for you. What would happen? What would happen, Christian? Can you imagine if we got radical with this thing? Like, I think of, like, historical figures. There was this crazy group called the Moravians. A really small group of believers, but they sold out for missions. They took the gospel global, even though it cost them their life. Did you know there are missionaries right now who are willing to die for the sake of Christ? And we struggle to give up a cup of Starbucks to invest in the kingdom of God. But I want a double latte with extra size. <laughs> My neighbor has a nicer lawn, so I have to have a nicer lawn. Have you seen his truck? I want a bowl of kibble. Why are we living on kibble when we have real bread to eat? A real kingdom to serve. You know, I just want to brag on my wife a minute. You all okay with that? This lovely lady right here. You know, around here, sometimes people are like, oh, you're Chris's wife. No, her name is Madeline. Madeline Francois Carroll. Isn't that a beautiful name? Francois. So she started this job at Orange Theory. She loves Orange Theory. It's a great workout. And uh, so she starts working there. And here's what's crazy. She's been there for three months. She is top sales for the last three months. Yeah, dude. Like, excels. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, watching her work. Like, you can't say no. Like, yesterday there was a guy who literally was like, she was talking to him. And he's like, I, I don't know why, but I'm opening my wallet now. And I'm handing you my credit card. And... I literally can't say no to you. <laughs> she made six sales yesterday. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, I just want to brag on her because at Orange Theory, I'm Madeline's husband. <laughs> this is right, man. I, I think that's cool. Well, what's crazy is uh, that's, not the, that's not the most awesome part. The most awesome part is everyone knows she represents Jesus. Like she literally takes Jesus wherever she goes. And she's literally light. 
And she loves people, and they feel loved, like she's kingdom-oriented. And yeah, God's blessing that. You know, when we talk about being kingdom-oriented, that doesn't mean you don't do a good job for your employer. No, you rock. You go in there. If you hold signs for a living, I'm doing this for Jesus. You sweep for a living, I sweep this floor for Jesus. Like, we are representing the Lord. But don't forget why you're there. Don't forget why you live there. Oh, I hate that guy. You don't know who my neighbor is. The exact person you're called to love. You have no idea who my boss is. And what he's like, the exact person you're called to love. You have no idea who I'm married to. The exact person you're called to love. Yeah. You're right where you're supposed to be. Right where you're supposed to be. I love... I love this, this passage of Scripture. Life's more than what you worry about. God takes care of his creation. He's going to care for his children. Worry accomplishes no good thing. God is our Father and provider. We live for and seek a different kingdom. And I will just end here. The sixth reason we don't have to worry is God will take care of our tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, God will take care of your tomorrow. I love this. Verse 34. What a great end to chapter 6 of Matthew. I mean, really, like, wow. Like, if this doesn't bring about some level of anticipation of what chapter 7 holds, like, this excites me. Oh, to study the Scripture. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Gosh, how many todays are ruined? with the worries of tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? I heard one guy tell me, he said, Chris, when you worry about tomorrow, you're paying interest on a debt that probably will never come due. I said, well, that's pretty good. You know, here's, here's the picture. Why don't we have to worry about tomorrow? Well, because God has taken care of us today. I'm just going to read this, this, this brief verse Wow, it's so good. Like passages like this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. So if you were living a godly life and you were content with your life, you were rich. I'm going to say that again. If you have a relationship with the living God and you're content with what you have, you are filthy rich right now. Like stupid rich. And I love this. For we brought nothing into the world seen some children born. They didn't come with any suitcases. And we cannot take anything out of the world. It'd be weird to have a U-Haul going to a, a cemetery. But if we have food and clothing, with this we'll be content. So do you have food today? I see everyone's dressed. <laughs> which we're all appreciative of. Thank you for being dressed today. So well, I will assume that we all have some clothing. You got a couple bucks in the pocket? No, I realize none of us carry cash, but you have a little few bucks on the card. You have gas in your gas tank? You have a car? Wow. You have a place to put your head on a pillow tonight? Yeah. You got a place to watch the football game no one cares about? <laughs> I know who you're cheering for. I know, I dude. You've been a Tom Brady fan forever. Yeah, Adrian Pena, you know who he's cheering on. 
Do you have a job? I'm not talking about like, oh, I don't like my job. Do you have a job? Do you have a J-O-B? <laughs> Job. One time, anyway, early on, I realized that, I, okay, I'm going kind of long, but I'm just going to share this story. When I first became a believer, I did not have a job. I opened up the Bible to the table of contents, no joke. Sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm not. I saw job in the Old Testament. And I was like, no way! God is speaking to me. And then I read Job and I was like, whoa. I realized at that moment the Bible is not what I thought it was. <laughs> but here's the thing. Do you have what you need today? Today. I'm not talking about tomorrow. Some, dude, God's, if, if God has you today... He's got your tomorrow. Yeah, but you don't, do you have what you need today? And quit tripping about tomorrow. Because you may be tripping about a tomorrow that never comes. And I do want to say this, and I want to end here because this is the gospel truth. We can all be pretty presumptuous. See, we assume we have a tomorrow. We just assume. We assume we have a tomorrow or a next week or a next month. No day is guaranteed. And so this is where it gets very real. Do you have a living relationship with Jesus today while it is still today? Do you have a relationship with the living God through faith in Christ today? Don't just assume there's a tomorrow. Do you know Jesus today? Lord, we thank you for your grace, your unbelievable goodness. We thank you for laughter and for truth and grace. We thank you for your scriptures that teach us so much about how we are to view you and, and walk in relationship with you and others and you comfort our soul. Thank you. God, thank you, God, that we do not have to go through life without you. But if you're going through this life without God, and you do not have a real relationship with God through faith in Jesus, the alarm is just rung. It's time. It's time for you to finally surrender your life and quit dancing around it. If you know you need Jesus, you know it. And if he is calling you, you know he's calling you, and it's like he's calling you by name. And if you're ready to surrender your life to the living God, just tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried, and I believe you've risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. If that's truly your heart's prayer, the Bible declares you pass from spiritual death to life. You are forever a son or daughter of the living God. You are alive in Christ. The angels are celebrating you. Your name is inscribed in the Lamb's book of life. You are forever his child, and nothing will separate you or could separate you from his love. Welcome to the family.
So we rejoice together in our salvation. We rejoice together in your grace. And in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Isn't God good? Yeah! I, you know, I wish every day was Sunday. We just, let's just keep coming, you know, like every single day. I miss this. I miss being together. But it's time. Not to go too quickly, by the way. Spend some time meeting some folks. Spend a time together with fellowship. And go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, our love. Now let's love one another and let's carry that love out into this world. Because you know what? They need the love of Jesus. Have a great week. Hey, everybody, hold on before you leave. If you are a parent of somebody in the student ministry, parent of somebody in the student ministry, you have a very, very important meeting. It will start 10 minutes over in the student building. Parents of students, student building, 10 minutes.